Hello guys and welcome back to the Syntho podcast. Today I'm joined by Alex Kidd. We are talking about his latest plugin for music producers. Even if you're not a producer, I'm sure you find this one very interesting. Alex has been a touring artist for around 25 years, I believe. So he's an absolute legend of the game with a lot of knowledge to share. I learned a lot in this and I'm sure you will too. We've also recorded a separate video showing you how the plugin works and that'll be on the syntho channel so this is on the podcast channel and if you want to watch it and use a little demo go onto the syntho channel so let's get straight into this one and as always the podcast is sponsored by syntho's electronic music hub the platform allowing people to take their music to the next level if you want any more info on that just head to the links in the bio or just message me direct but anyway let's go so how's everything been going man it's been a long time yeah, it's been a while. Everything's been actually really good and really busy. Really busy. Which is a good thing. Which is a good thing. Mostly on the plugin side of things, or I saw you DJing a lot as well recently. Yeah, uh, it's a bit of everything. Everything's coming at the same time. Um, between this new project that I started with uh, porting the plugins into the VST world, um, Plus teaching, I'm teaching in France in this uh, big school called 3IS, where I'm mentoring uh, creative producers in that last year. Uh, plus lots of sound design, plus the plugins, plus becoming a dad again, which is really new. Uh, my wife is pregnant. All this all together is quite time consuming. Plus a teenager so firstly, daughter. <laughs> congratulations on the pregnancy. Thank you, thank you. And everything else, from my own curiosity, how are you managing the time between the projects? Are you intentionally putting any of them first? Or is it each day you're dedicating time to different ones? Um, <clears throat> honestly, I'm putting down fires all the time. It's pretty much like this, the way it works. I have uh, most of the sound design is planned over months. So this I know that I'm flexible with. Um, and uh, because the guys helping me uh, with uh, the plugin, uh, because I mean, I do not code in C++ and I had to uh, work with uh, a team that does UX UI. Uh, they, they, they used to work agile. I don't know if you know how that works, but pretty much it's like they suddenly start working like intensively on a block and uh, I have to be available. So I focus on that thing at that moment and then I readapt uh, the, the rest of the time for my sound design. Every, the sound design time is flexible. So this is this is how I more or less manage. But there's always something catching up with you, which ends up being a bit overwhelming. Uh, suddenly, uh, things on the company that you need to take care of, accounting, uh, change of structure, these kind of things. But apart from that, yeah, it's it's all pretty flexible. So it's a bit more of a day-to-day -day thing. Yeah. So before we dive into the plugin, I, cause I'm really excited to hear about it. For any of the listeners who may not be familiar with Alex Kidd, do you want to just rewind maybe 10, 15 years and, and explain a bit about your, your DJing past and then how it's led up to delving more into the, the technical side? Well, 10, 15 years wouldn't be enough. We should really rewind like 20, pretty much 25 years. 25? Yeah, yeah, 97. <laughs> 
So what happened? Basically, um, I started playing with bands. Uh, I play guitar. Um, and uh, because of that, I started equipping myself, being already like a bit of a nerd, uh, with, with some of the very first systems that would allow you to have a bit of a home studio. Um, by then there was an audio, so it was strictly MIDI, uh, I had a PC and a MIDI card and uh, some drum machines and things. And the idea was to make stuff uh, for the bands, like to be able to make demos. But I also rapidly realized that it was great to be making music by yourself without having to deal with the egos of, of uh, young musicians uh, who uh, think they're more than what they are. So it allowed me to uh, really experiment by myself and learn uh, and take time. Um, eventually, still with uh, the arrogance of a 20-year-old uh, with my friends, we decided to build this kind of uh, producer's team because we were all involved in different styles. I was involved in electronic music, some were in, in metal, some were involved in, in hip hop, and we decided that we would gather together and uh, start producing other people until we met our publisher that said, no, why don't you produce yourselves? And then <clears throat> he gave me access to a studio. He gave us access to a studio. And again, being the nerd that I am, uh, I ended up running the studio by myself, doing all the recordings for everyone. This is how I learned. Eventually, I ended up doing something decent enough to be presented. And uh, F Communications, Laurent Garnier's label, signed me uh, on a demo that was on a tape. So we're talking 97. And yeah, that was made with um, actually one of the very, very first... Uh, audio systems because <clears throat> I had bought, if I recall properly, an Audio Media 3 that had two, two outputs, stereo, just a stereo output, and you could record on Logic, I remember it was Logic 2.4.7, uh, I could record up to four channels of audio that I could edit, so by then this was like, wow, amazing. Before that I was working on tape, syncing a signal to a box that would send MIDI, that would synchronize the computer, that would send signal to the to the samplers. And uh, <clears throat> from F Communications, started uh, to do more and more releases, got attention, uh, started DJing, uh, wasn't really a good DJ by then, uh, and uh, slowly got better, started to play everywhere. And uh, yeah, they, they, were, they were fascinating years. They were fascinating years. I did three albums on F Communications. And then in 2005 was the last one. And this is more or less when F Communications stopped. And I moved to Berlin in 2007 or eight, eight I think. And kept on releasing on, on quite a few labels and traveling. So I did records, I did the Desolat, I did Fuse, I did uh, Supplement Facts by then, I did Free Range, I did Underground Quality. Uh, I've, I've, I've had a fair amount of cool labels where I released. So, yeah. Yeah, I tagged you in a video maybe a month ago playing the Don't Hide It remix. Do you remember? Ah, <laughs> that was 2005, man. 2004 wow. or five. yeah, yeah. So not far of 20 years old and it still sounds fresh 
Thanks, thanks, thanks. MPC 60 and uh, wow. 303. And you've still got that now, right? I still got an MPC 60, but it's not the same one. It was an ah, MPC 62. Okay. This is a one uh, black model, which is custom, which is uh, never seen before. I bought it like that. When I saw that, I was like, holy shit, this is beautiful. I need <laughs> to get that. I, I was missing my 60. I regret. There's a lot of things that I sold that I regret. I had the 909. I had the 909 from Dr. Alban. <clears throat> oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, from the producer of Dr. Alban, the guy that did um, Dr. Alban is of base that did the Britney Spears, I bought that one in Stockholm for 450 euros. And sold it for what? 1200. Oh. And now they're uh, like... Uh, five. <laughs> at least, yeah. Yeah, they run for six here in Berlin. I so at what at what point um, did you then delve into the Ableton side of things in terms of creating your own um, max for live plugins? Ah, well, I started already... With, with Ableton One, okay, so <clears throat> this is the thing. So by then, um, Max wasn't something integrated. Uh, about 15 years ago, um, I got a tour canceled. Had a tour canceled in, I can't remember where, South America. So I think I had like two weeks on my hands and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna put these to use. Uh, there's something that I really wanna do is actually Learn Max, because uh, by then I had bought this really cool interface, which was the Monomy. You can check that at monomy.org. It was like the first somehow interface that looks a bit like the push, you know, with like uh, 8x8, um, an 8x8 pad thing. Uh, and and the software to control that was actually Max. This is what you were using to communicate with with the interface. So I quickly realized that Max was really cool, and that the interface was simply an interface. So if I wanted to hack the thing, um, I could use Max. So I went to the ERCAM, which is this Institute of Research of I don't know uh, acoustic. Uh, um, it's it's a very high profile music school that is next to Centre Georges Pompidou in Paris, where they do really nerdy and researchy stuff. Really interesting, and um, they they were actually they're the ones that initiated Max back in the eighties. <clears throat> and I started learning this just to have the basics. Went to a course, and after a week, I was like, "Oh, that's." That's tricky somehow, but I managed to learn. Uh, it was because it wasn't integrated within Ableton by then. It was really like a software aside. It was a bit more difficult to use in things. It was more for for installations and things like this. And um, and I started experimenting with it. And then for a few years, I left it aside. Left it aside because. It was complicated to bridge with the software. But eventually, Ableton bought Cycling74, who had bought Max from IRCAM, and they made somehow an integrated bridge within Ableton. And by then, I was already using Ableton more and more. And I'm like, well, that's fantastic, because it really allows you to hack 
Um, okay. The, 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 the software, there's a lot of things you can do. You can get the signal directly from Ableton instead of trying to create a virtual output, uh, virtual input, communicate, have a latency, you know. So this was like, boom. So I got back into it and I started creating my, my own sequences because I love polyrhythms and there's um, a lot of uh, things that even analog sequencers don't do. There's things that you could do with two analog sequencers synchronizing them. And I decided that this is something that I would try to do with, with, with Max. So I was learning. I'm actually not really good at Max. I just know the stuff that I need because yeah. I'm experimenting, you know. And when I block on something, I research until I find the solution. And then this is how slowly, slowly, after many iterations, I managed to make my 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 sequences. Uh, now I can. I'm good at sequencing. I'm sequencers. So I had this uh, sequences made with a different logic than most of uh, software sequences that you find anywhere else. And uh, eventually, after. An unsuccessful story with a business partner that basically fucked me over. Uh, I was really deep in shit and I don't know. I'm like, okay, I'm going to give it a shot. I'm going to try to put those out. I'm going to make a little shop online and see if people like them. And um, actually there was like a big, a big, um, a big, a really good response. So for anyone listening who is a new producer, how would you explain the difference between using a sequencer and just programming MIDI where you'd click inside a MIDI clip, for example, or record it from a keyboard? Well, <clears throat> it's a very different approach, first of all. Um, when, when you have to record within a clip, you, you have this white page, you know, and I'm not going to say the writer's block, but it's like you need to start from scratch when you have a keyboard. It's also like you've got so many options, you know, like when you work with an, an analog sequencers, there's the with analog sequencers or with my plugins or anything that is similar to, to that thought process, you always have a bit more of an experimentation uh, thing going on. You know, you can try to turn things and see what happens. You can use randomizations. You can you can uh, experiment, you know. Uh, you have one step and you move that one step and then you just randomly pick another one. You know, you can do these kind of things. Things that you often have with hardware. If you use a 303, you know, 303 is a bit of a nightmare to program because you first need to enter the rhythm, then you need to enter the notes or vice versa. You can do it both ways, but you don't do it at the same time. Therefore, sometimes you've got accidents because you messed up and the results become interesting because also you can enter the melody, you can then enter the rhythm and you can re-enter the rhythm if you want with the same melody, but it's not the same rhythm. And then the result is different. So I wanted to have something that was giving you that feeling, but be able to, to have it within the software. Um, also because, I mean, software is cheap. Hardware is expensive. Let's put it this way. You know, I would love to have a Circlon, but they're like 2000 euros and they're hard to find. I was about to say. <laughs> yeah. And, and honestly, I mean, I borrowed one from a friend. 
it's got also like a steep learning curve. It's, it's, it's tough. It does great things. It's amazing. You can control your entire studio. You've got the clock. It's fantastic. But it's not necessarily very intuitive all the time. Um, there's other things. I also have a squid, which is great, but it's also a different uh, thought process. I like to somehow combine the digital world, but have uh, the advantages of, of the hardware or the thought process of the hardware, let's say. And and this is why I really try to translate. So Yeah, to come yeah, to sorry. come back to what you said what you said about the Circon learning curve, I get asked every single day about different pieces of hardware. I think with nearly every piece of hardware there is that learning curve. And I think the way people are going now with this less patience, let's say, I think getting things that are easy to understand from the start are really important for people's, you know, creativity and also enjoying the music making process and i think with the sequencer i know from experience it's really a matter of as soon as you load it into ableton and onto your track you can get stuck in and get creating sounds yeah um <clears throat> i mean there's a lot of very functional sequencers i mean if you use anything from electron uh, when you understand the thought process you can really create really cool things really quick it really has these uh, old school analog way of thinking, um, where you still have space for errors and uh, mistakes and discovery, which often you don't have within uh, the digital world. So yeah, it's, 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 it's a tough one because not, not all sequencers I'm, are made for every musician, I'm going to say. Squid is, is a fantastic piece of gear too. You can do so much. It's actually pretty well thought. It's ugly AF, but you know, you can do a lot with it. It's, it's actually really powerful and it's pretty cheap, but you could use a Beatstep Pro and it's very simple and it does great things, but then the clock is not super tight. So it really depends on your workflow. It really depends on. You know, I like to program on machines myself. I mean, this is, I, I love the workflow of an MPC. I love the workflow of the S2400. Uh, <clears throat> and, and Electron has a pretty logical workflow. The TR8 test is great as an example. Uh, but then you've got things like, even if Electron is great, you've got things like the Octatrack, which is a nightmare. Uh, you try this machine and even though it's got like really great functionalities, sometimes you're just like, but why? Why is it this way? And it's crazy to see that after so many years of hardware, you still have, uh, how can I say, things that are sometimes very illogic in Illogical. Yeah. 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 It's, it's insane. So I really tried to put... What, what I would consider as logical within a software that at the same time brings you all the, 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 the cool things of hardware, but gives you also the flexibility of the digital and that it's cheap. You know, if you want to open 10 instances, you can, you know? Yeah. I, I would say for anyone listening, the sequences that I'd used to begin with from Alex opened up a whole new option of creativity without having to spend two weeks menu diving in like this, for example, the S2400, which still the, what I find with hardware is if I don't make music for a month, 
I become really rusty on the machines. Whereas the inside the box stuff, maybe because of the, you know, being a bit more impatient, but I can really hit the ground running with the, with the inside the box stuff. So I think Alex's tools can give you that whole, you know, new way to work, but still keeping it, you know, creative and fun and not requiring you to spend two weeks with a manual up or YouTube up. You, 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 you use the word fun, and this is for me very, very important, is really the fun factor. I really want to have this thing where you, because, because it's a polyrhythmical sequencer, polyrhythmic sequencer, you know, you, you just can move one thing and then the whole sequence changes. And for me, that is important that <clears throat> you just need to understand the logic behind it but you cannot anticipate the result. You're just like, if I do that, it's going to shift like that. But I don't exactly know what's going to be the result, but I understand what it's going to do. And this is something very interesting within the brain is that the brain understands patterns, can recognize patterns. But if you had to program it yourself, you know, like manually, it would be a real nightmare. And the... Um, my aim within that sequences was to be able to put all those ideas that I had in place, those almost algorithmical ideas, uh, saying, yeah, I want like a baseline that turns in five steps, but then the melody turns in seven, uh, where you understand the concept, but you don't know what's the result. And if you had to play it or to do it manually, it would be like, poor, too complicated. Here you can do it, boom, 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 boom. And if you don't like it, you just switch to something else or you can just press random. I think it's really important to also have this these, um, thing where it's instant, where you can be surprised, where you can create a mistake, where you can... Uh, just try things, you know. Um, actually, fun fact. Now the plugin, this new one, second, has uh, has an undo function. And originally, personally, I didn't want to put the undo function. <laughs> I didn't want to put it because I I liked the the hey, let's take a risk. The commitment. Yeah, exactly. It's just like hey, it's a bit physical. Let's let's do this. Do I, it forces you to make decisions. Do I like this? Yes. Okay. I'm sticking with this and I'm making music with this, or I have a doubt. I'm going to change. Is it going to be better? I don't know. Am I taking the risk? Do I like this enough? Yes or no. And then go, but everyone was pressuring me. Hey, where's the undo? Are you going to put an undo? So eventually, um, we managed to, to implement it and, um, and yeah. So I know many of the listeners will have the original sequences. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me what the thought process was from going from the Max for Live to a standalone plugin? That's the best way to describe it, I think. It's not was a standalone, it... it's still a plugin. I mean, it's still... Is it still um... Max for Live or is it actually no, 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 a plugin no. now? It's a VSTAU, so it's, it can run on any platform now. Yeah. Except for Pro Tools. So for the people who have got the original sequences, I know many of the listeners and synth members have got them from mm -hmm. previous videos we've done together. What is going to be the main difference between the now VST version? <coughs> Sorry. Um, there, there's a few. There's a few. Of course, this one is a bit of a best of. 
uh, there's a few be- differences in behavior. Uh, the ones I've made uh, are because because this this has been developed with uh, with actually a guy called Tadashi Suginomori, Japanese uh, developer. Uh, is the guy from HY Plugins actually, who was doing things that were close enough to my plugins. Uh, for me to be like, okay, this guy's got the knowledge. I'm going to contact him and, and, and collaborate because I don't know how to code in C++. I just know how to develop in Max. Uh, but it's a bit the same process. He understands Max, so he was able to uh, translate it to C++. Um, the, the, the thing is that mine are really like a little bit like little tools that you put depending on what you need. So you want something... In a certain way, uh, eight steps is enough. You open the cute little sequencer. You want something a bit more complex. You open the empirical. You want to control uh, parameters within within live sequence them. You use the automaton, uh, which is something that um, second the the new plugin in VST cannot do easily. But second now combines pretty much the best of the features that the, of, of the previous sequencers in one. Uh, you can add lanes, you know, uh, or just disable them depending on your needs. So it's pretty much like the probabilistic sequencer plus extra lanes like from the press for acid, also from my sequencers where you've got the, 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 the hold. We've added a chance per step We've added um, also the length per step. Uh, so you can have really like different lengths to add like groove, which my other sequencers didn't have. You can also sequence the, the octave transposition. Uh, you can also sequence the transpose. And all these have their individual lengths, which of course allow you to create even more interesting polyrhythms. Uh, or non-linearities within your sequence. And, and there's also um, a few very interesting features, and those are the ones that I'm the most proud of, proud of is like you can uh, transpose before or after you're forcing the scale. So if you transpose before forcing the scale, uh, what you do basically is like it's like shifting within the scale. You you shift is like accessing your 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 different degrees within the scale. So, if let's say you've got a triad and you're in uh, C major and you've got a triad with your fundamental, your third, and your fifth, you uh, and you're in the first, let's say it's a C major, you would have a C major uh, chord. If you transpose of one, you would have a D minor, an E minor, then an F major. So you would stay within the scale. Uh, so you can do really, really crazy things by just transposing, and it still stays within the scale. You're just changing your melody somehow. It's like shifting the melody. Or you can transpose after the scale, and this is like a normal transpose. It works like a bit like an arpeggiator. Um, the best part is that you can also transpose live. So there's a button where you can um, enable the MIDI keyboard, and you've got a section on your keyboard, I think it's from C1 to uh, C1, C2 to B to C3, from C1 to C3, correct? From C1 to C3, C2 being your center, you can transpose up to 12 semitones 
or down 12 semitones. Again, before or after the scale. So you can play your transposition live. So you can put a clip with your change of transposition. Uh, I mean, you change within the, the thing. While still remaining within the scale, you've got all the scales that are available in push. You can create your own scales. So if you want to have three notes within your scale, you can. You can save your own scales. And then we have also the new other features that you've got presets. And within each preset, you've got up to 12 patterns. And same thing, you can access them instantly via the keyboard. So from uh, C0 to B0, you can select and change instantly within, as soon as you press the note, it shifts to, to, it switches to the other sequence, which allows you to have, to make just inserts of sequences. And it's based on the absolute timing of your song. So it will be at the position where it should have been if that sequence had started from zero. It doesn't trigger the sequence again from the beginning. So you can have different sequences uh, where you can have something a bit more intense, maybe a longer length or like shorter length to have staccatos or just like suddenly a shift of, a, I don't know, an octave or uh, have more notes, uh, make it busier. And you can also play this live and it works like clockwork. And this is one thing that you can do within uh, Juice and C++ to develop as VST that is hard to do with Max for Live because the timing and the jitter of Max for Live is a bit more sloppy. So there's lots of new functions that I couldn't do within Max for Live that now are within VST. So it's just different use. Of course, it's more heavy, it's, big, more, it's bulkier on the screen. Um, you don't have in the new plugin, you don't have the general random where you click something and it randomizes the whole thing. You don't have that. Um, there's too many lanes. Therefore, I, 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 I didn't want to do it. You can do it with, uh, with, the, with the other ones. So each ones have their pros and cons. And you've worked with, I will say worked with, but there's been some really respectable artists who have created some presets as well, right? Yeah, correct. Do you want to name drop a few for the for the listeners? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, there's been Alexander Kowalski, there's been Arnaud, there's been Brother, <clears throat> there's been Tini, there's been uh, Robin Ordell, uh, there's been uh, Tripmasters, uh, there's been uh, Tini, uh, Tini, I said already, there's been Josh Wink, Josh Wink, that's pretty amazing. Uh, I, I would have to, <laughs> seriously, there's so many right now and my brain is not really working uh, fresh, but there's, there's, I'm, I'm super happy. There's been Soila, um, my wife, Katie Drover, uh, there's, uh, there's a lot of really cool, 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 cool features. Uh, Christicons has done also, Reboot has done. Some presets and and the great thing is that the feedback from all of them is really fantastic. It's it's I'm super happy. Also, what I did is that I sent it to them like a bit early, so they could really beta test hardcore. And now the software is really tight. And for the listeners as well, even if you're pretty much just starting out producing, they'll mm -hmm. be able to find their way around this plugin, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 a bit foolproof. This is. 
uh, I mean, a lot of the design in this plugin was really to have a bit of an instant satisfaction. For me, it's very, very important that you get, as a musician, that you get a result quick, that you don't need to learn something, that you don't need to dive and what does it do and how do I get there? So with the, the guys from Resonant Design who uh, did the UX UI, we really worked towards that. Uh, there's a lot of functions that I could have put that I didn't put because I didn't want to have submenus. Uh, I didn't want to have like too many hidden functions, too many complications. Here it's pretty straight on. You can definitely get your way around. Uh, even you open a preset, you just like look around and you're just like, oh, why does it do that? Oh, okay, I get it. There's a couple of submenus. There's, it's really, there's a manual that's pretty comprehensive. It's, it's that simple. And have you thought about what's next? I've got to ask that. Yes, of course. <laughs> and is there any any teasers or is this top um, secret? No, I think I'm going to... Um, I, I, I want to do uh, a more... Ex- an extended version of uh, Hats for Days, the sequencer for okay. Hats. Maybe integrating sounds. Uh, integrating patterns. Um, so it's still in the process of uh, development as a concept. What can we do better? Uh, also, I would like to port the beat shaker, the yep. beat shakers that have uh, had a lot of success. Um, but these, um, this would be VST. You would be able to maybe shuffle certain things uh, in there. A few more functions, not more complicated. I don't want that. But it would be maybe one bit shaker and you would be able to add packs directly within the, the plugin. The problem is that there's more and more, um, there's more and more, since I've done the instant house for Ableton, there's more and more companies that have done things very, very similar to what I did with instant house. Actually, if you look at Polyend, they have included the same logic within their, their hardware. Uh, I know that there has been copied uh, in with some some companies. Actually, there's even one company doing things in Max for Life that literally copied and named me uh, as an inspiration on their own plugin. Um, and I know that there's things coming up, but I cannot talk about that. But there's things coming up with pretty much the same logic. So at some point, I'm going to do it, even if I'm one of the first ones doing this thing, this this kind of like randomization of banks and sounds, uh, because I did this almost 15 years ago uh, for Ableton. Even though I did this a while ago, uh, if I was coming now with this technology again, uh, it wouldn't be as fresh as some of the functions that you have now in second and all that. But it's still something I want to do. So how long did it take to actually develop from the the day you decide, okay, I want to turn this into a proper VST to finally having something which is usable? Uh, nine months. Okay. So not too long, but no. not by no means instant. But it had to, it was supposed to take three months. Uh, I mean, <laughs> it's always the way. And what were the biggest challenges along the way? I think that really nailing the UX was a big challenge. Um, the functions worked pretty well, pretty fast, but there was a big, 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 big effort 
put into making sure that the functions were making sense naturally, that you wouldn't spend time trying to understand the logic behind it. It had to feel natural. This was really where, for me, where the accent was put, and that's where there's been iterations and iterations and again more iterations to make sure that it would be spot on. I'm, I'm, I mean, it's honestly, it's been really a dream of mine to, to put this thing out as a VST. And thanks to Tadashi and thanks to Resonant Design uh, and their expertise, um, it's gone beyond my expectations. It's, it's really fantastic. We worked very well together as a team. It was really like a dream process. And, uh, and you know, I mean, you're, you're along the way. You're just like, can, can, could we do this? Could we do this? <laughs> yeah, Tadashi, being uh, the, 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 the legend that he is, uh, is just like, yeah, we'll do it. And a day after, he's like, it's implemented. Try it. Let me know what you think. I don't know if this guy sleeps ever. Actually, <laughs> I wonder. Because we were talking at, he's in Tokyo. I don't even know where he is, to be honest. Never met the guy. Uh, he speaks Japanese. We talk through translator. It's, it's, uh, it's insane. Um, but he's, he's an absolute legend. Everything was. So the start, of, the start of a special project, I, th- I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, um, I'm, I'm very happy with it. I can't, it's, it's, I'm enjoying it so much. I'm enjoying it so much. Amazing. Cause what we'll do is we'll attach some links below where mm-hmm. people can go and purchase the plugin. Shall we do a little separate video now? Do you want to do a little 10 minute demo? Because we could put this as a podcast and then link this straight through to a, a short demo of the plugin so people can see it firsthand. Sure, we could do this. Yeah, for sure. Have you got have you got time? Yeah, yeah. 